Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. I'm both host and guest today. We're going to talk about marketing strategy, but I also want to remind you to check out the Duct Tape Marketing blog, ducttapemarketing.com blog. That's where I publish these podcasts, and a lot of times we'll have links to stuff you need or stuff that I talk about. We also love those reviews on iTunes, so check that out as well. Let me know what you think about the show. All right, as I said, I'm going to talk about marketing strategy. This is really one of my favorite topics, and I think it's actually been a distinguishing mark over the years of duct tape marketing because so many marketers uh, want to talk about tactics. And so when I talk about marketing strategy, I suppose the first thing, maybe before I tell you what it is, <laughs> is to talk a little bit about what it is not. Um, and, and it's funny because I think even Google's confused. Type in to Google, what is marketing strategy or just marketing strategy? And what you're going to get is a bunch of blog posts that list 15 marketing strategies for small businesses. And those 15 marketing strategies will all be nothing but tactics. <laughs> They'll be go to Facebook and engage your audience. Strategy before tactics. If you've read anything I've written, if you have listened to anything I talk about, you know, that I think is the key point of how you make marketing effective. It's not just by trying a bunch of stuff. It's by having an approach that is focused on a very specific type of client with a very specific need or problem in promising to solve that problem in a very specific way. That's actually the marketing strategy. And that's the part we have to figure out first before we ever go out there and start listing the things we're going to do to create awareness and to convert those people that have a need into clients. So when I talk about marketing strategy, I break it down into a foundation that has several elements. It's not just one thing. Uh, it's a handful of things that have to go together that kind of work in concert to make your marketing strategy effective. So the first one is we have to figure out who our ideal client is. And I'm going to break each of these down, but uh, just to give you the overview, we have to know who our ideal client is and we have to tailor everything we're doing for that client as though we're talking to them one-to-one. -one. We have to have a core message that helps us differentiate and stand out from everybody else who says they do what we do. Some people might call it a brand promise, but it has to be something that gets somebody's attention. We do want to actually focus on, and I, and I know a lot of marketers maybe spend too much time on this, and, and when they talk about brand, they're talking about logo and identity elements, but supporting identity elements, colors, fonts, the what a look and feel that people expect. I mean, those are the things that you do need to actually then build. Once you have that core message, once you know who your ideal client is, you want to build supporting identity elements. Content has grown beyond just being a tactic. Content really is air. It's the thing that powers the entire customer journey. It's the way for us to actually create the voice of our strategy as using content. And then the last piece uh, I hinted at this is then Part of our marketing strategy has to be an understanding of how we are going to guide the customer journey. The way people buy today has changed so dramatically that we have to understand that it's our job not to corral or create demand, but to 
be around and organize the behavior that the buyer actually wants to participate in. And I'll break that down as well. Uh, but those, those elements go together to create the foundation of any kind of marketing plan. And that's what I mean by strategy is all of those elements working effectively, working together. So as you can see, I haven't mentioned anything that would be considered a tactic. I haven't talked about direct mail or advertising. Those are tactics that we are going to use to orchestrate or implement our strategy. So that's how you have to think about it. So let's break each of those elements down. Ideal client. I think I think so many business owners have been taught to think about this idea of a target market. And that's just a start. And, and so often where that target market or that targeting ends is really with who we think is likely to buy. Now, for a lot of people, that's People who have money. If I'm a dentist, that's people who have teeth. I mean, that, that's where we kind of stop. And what I want to suggest is that if we go much deeper than that, if we decide who has the right problem, meaning the problem we actually are very, very uniquely qualified to solve, who has the money? You know, that's a great qualifier, right? We don't want to be working with people that, that can't afford what it is that we do. Who's motivated to fix that problem? And that's a huge one. I mean, just because somebody has teeth, just because somebody has plumbing in their house, uh, just because somebody um, you know has a kitchen and we're a kitchen remodeler, just because somebody has trees and we're a tree service, it doesn't mean they're motivated to take care of those or to fix those or to upgrade those. And so we have to understand uh, who's motivated, who has the problem that we're uh, suited to solve, who has the budget. And I'll tell you, if you want to understand deeply the characteristics of your ideal client, the ones that you have attracted, that were very profitable, that you had a great experience with. They're referring you because they had a great experience. Take your client list today and map out your most profitable clients. And you, you'll find that there's probably some business you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, that you have some clients that aren't that profitable, but hey, you took the work because they said they'd pay you. Typically, those don't end up being very good deals. So if you start looking at the characteristics of your most profitable clients, and then if you can identify a few of those folks who are also referring you, that's who your ideal client is. And the reason I say that is because they're profitable because they probably had the right problem. They had a problem you could solve, and they had a mentality or a behavior that allowed you to do it in the most profitable way. And consequently, you like them. They like you. <laughs> they didn't beat your people up. Uh, uh, they paid you on time. And so consequently, they're out there telling the world what a great experience they had. You get to choose your clients, but not if you don't understand you know, who they are. Once you understand who they are, you start disqualifying as many people, maybe many, many more people, than you start qualifying and start going after. Once you've been in business for a while and you you start to really sense this. I mean, and I, I will tell you, I've been in business so long that I can have a five-minute conversation with somebody who is a potential uh, client for marketing, and I can tell you pretty accurately whether or not that is a business that I want to work with or that that's a business that uh, that I think would be a good fit for us. And so you get better at this, but if, if you don't start defining it and outlining it, you're going to start taking uh, those clients that aren't good fits for you, and all they're going to do is is drag you down and distract you. And in, and in worst case scenario, they're going to become a detractor out there telling people you don't do a good job, but that's because you weren't a good fit. 
You get to decide, you get to choose your clients, but only if you define who they are. All right, the second piece, and I love to start uh, this uh, uh, conversation in uh, strategy component on a very, um, I don't know, cold water, throwing cold water in your face (laughs) kind of note. Um, Nobody wants what you sell. They want their problem solved. Keep that in mind. Very, very few people want the things we sell, the services, the solutions. They have problems they're trying to solve or they're having places they're trying to get and they see us and our products and services as the way to solve those problems to get to where they want to get. So you have to understand what problem you are solving. And a lot of times, it's not the basic service that you provide. Um, I'll give you an example. I like to talk about talk about my friends at Jackson Tree all the time. They are a local tree service in the St. Louis area, um, and they uh, feel like they their competitive advantage is that they are a locally owned business. They've been in business for a long time. They're actually third generation, and of course, they're people coming from the outside. You know, big national chains coming in. Um, to to the city. And so they felt like their advantage is that they are that local business. Well, when we looked at all of their client reviews um, and spoke with some of their clients, we kept hearing over and over again that what their clients loved is that they show up when they say they're going to and they clean up the job site. And I know that sounds kind of simple and basic, but that's the problem that their clients were having. Nobody else was doing that. And so if you understand the problems you're solving, it actually makes it, um, it, it, that that needs to be your message. That's what you need to use to make the competition irrelevant or to at least change the context of how your market sees what you do. You need to lead with that core message. Um, I mentioned already reviews are a great way for you. The, The actual words that people are putting into Google reviews, if you're a local business, are really there's a gold in there, I guarantee you, because people are saying what value they get. But you can also pick up the phone and call clients, and we do it all the time. We call our clients clients, um, and quite often by asking them questions about the experience they are having or have had, uh, we can learn a lot about what really that what should be <laughs> that uh, client's core message or uh, certainly the problem that they're solving. So I want you to do that as, um, as a step in this too. I already touched on the identity elements, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. We don't have a visual medium here necessarily, but the color, uh, the fonts, uh, the way your office looks, uh, all of those things, uh, logos, you know, all of those things go into either supporting the brand promise or taking away from it. So I'm not saying that you have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on getting uh, designs and to, you know, to make everything just look perfect. But it should support what your message is. It should support who you're trying to talk to. If your uh, clients are 55-year-old males, you ought to at least give some consideration to what is going to be appealing uh, to them. Uh, obviously, you know whatever your demographics are, whatever your products and services are, um, have those. Th- those are parts of your brand promise. All right, the what are we up to? Third component, fourth component. I want to ask you to start thinking about content as the voice of strategy. So 
all of the content that you produce, your web pages, your blog posts, your podcasts, your press releases, I mean, this is all content. You want to think about the intention that you have for every piece of content because content today is used to create awareness. I mean, that's sometimes how people find you. Uh, it's certainly used to educate. Um, it is uh, that, that you know you know what you're talking about. It's used to inform somebody how a product or service uh, that they might acquire from you would work. Uh, it's used quite often to get to nurture people. In many cases, a, a podcast like this is somebody, uh, you know, all the time people will tell me, I started listening to your podcast and finally I decided to buy from you or to become a member of the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network. So content has this nurturing uh, component to it. In many cases, whether it's an email or a, an ad or, or a page on your website, you know, many times uh, you need to produce content that when that person is ready to buy, that shows them how to buy. And then last uh, piece of uh, intention, I suppose, for content that I don't hear enough about from, from a lot of content marketers is once you start producing great, useful content, and that content can be in the form of an ebook, a checklist, a blog post, a webinar, it's great uh, to use that content as a referral tool. So in other words, if you go out to an organization and say, hey, I'd love to do this free webinar for your small business audience. I've done it time and time again. Uh, that's, that is an effect using my content to get referred to that group's community or customers or whatever it is that they're going to invite. All right, so the last piece then of the marketing strategy. So we, when we work with folks, uh, we're going to help them build, we're going to help them identify this ideal client. We are going to help them identify the core message around the problems or a promise to solve the problems that their ideal client has. We're going to make sure that the identity elements support that brand promise and certainly appeal to that ideal client. We're going to map out an editorial approach uh, that is going to make sure that we are communicating that strategy or that core message in all the ways that people need to move then lastly through this customer journey. So I developed long ago, and if you go to duct tape marketing and uh, Google or Google the term the marketing hourglass, you're going to find lots of content I've written over the years, probably 15 years of content about this idea called the marketing hourglass. And uh, the, the idea behind this, when we work with folks to try to create a marketing strategy, is that we will say, okay, we want to move people through seven stages. Um, no like, trust, try, buy, repeat, and refer. And the idea behind that is that if somebody doesn't know who we are, we, want, we obviously we have to create that awareness. But then we want to take that awareness and actually move them logically through these stages. I mean, very few people see an ad by a company they've never heard of and go, oh, okay, I'm going to go buy that product. But they might actually go to the website uh, and then see, gosh, there's a checklist that I can download. And so... Uh, that that develops a, a level of certainly awareness, but also some level of, of trust. Um, and then over time, we communicate, continue to add value and continue to invite them back uh, now for more content or for more opportunities. And so this this trust level and this ability for them to kind of try us before we ever really start promoting our products and services. But certainly once uh, somebody has gone through those stages and they've, they've educated themselves on what they do, they, they've, we've developed a level of trust based on the way that we have marketed to them or the, based on the way that we have shared content and added value. 
Now they want to buy. Uh, and so that's actually a stage in the customer journey that is, is the place where a lot of people kind of drop the ball because a lot of people think marketing ends at somebody saying, yes, I want to buy. Uh, and absolutely, <laughs> that is not the case. That's actually where some of the fun starts. Having an orientation process, having an onboarding process, continuing to market to them once they've uh, purchased so that they might purchase more or again, um, and having a very intentional uh, process in which you generate referrals. You know, those are all parts uh, that, that's kind of this linked journey that we need to build campaigns and processes and touch points um, as part of our marketing strategy. So if, if we, you know, a lot of times when we'll go into an organization and we'll audit their customer journey, you know, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll just find out, okay, what happens when the phone rings? Okay, what happens when a lead comes in? You know, what do we do to make sure that they understand, you know, how uh, the process works when somebody buys from us? You know, what do we do to, to, to onboard them? And, and, you know, kind of like almost you think about an order going through a business uh, that, you know, what are all the touch points? Because in many cases, uh, we're looking for gaps there. We're looking for places where we haven't intentionally created a great customer experience. And, you know, one of the greatest marketing strategies that, uh, that any business can really employ is to make sure that they are creating such a great customer experience that people want to refer and want to talk about your business. And, and you know, I've said repeatedly that, that the greatest source of lead generation is a happy customer. But it doesn't happen well, it fortunately does happen for a lot of businesses accidentally, <laughs> but imagine how strong it could be if it was part of your overall marketing plan. So that's it. That's, a, that's kind of my overview of marketing strategy. That's the focus for this happens to be, I'm recording this in January of 2018. Uh, we're building a complete asset around this idea of developing a marketing strategy plan. Uh, and this is uh, kind of the overview of that. Uh, but we'll have a link in the show notes to where you can go to find really the whole package uh, that we're putting together for marketing strategy. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out there on the road.